0: Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 4 and verse number 5. And we were talking on Wednesday about these, excuse me, these things, signs of the adoption in us. Signs of the adoption in us in Galatians 4, verse number 5. And we spent... Wednesday night, talking about that first sign is obedience, that we are obedient to the Lord or that we are striving in obedience to the Lord. That is one of the first things we find in us. As a child of God, we want to be obedient to our Father. We want to be obedient to His Word and follow what He has given for us to follow, Uh, to walk as He's called us to walk. That's one of those signs that we truly are a child of God. We desire to be obedient to Him. Now, we don't do that perfectly by no means. We all know that. We know each other. We know ourselves. Uh, We know that we don't do that. That That we're not able to do that as God even commands us to. But it is our desire to. It is the heart of the children of God to be faithful in all of our Efforts each and every day. It's our desire to be obedient to Him. And so uh, that was our first sign. It's a sign of obedience. The second thing we find, the second sign of our adoption in us, uh, is that we love to be in the presence of our Father. Being His child, we love to be in the presence of our Father. And we, we, this is our text verse here in, in Galatians 4. And verse 5, Paul says to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The law, the purpose of the law was never to redeem us. The purpose of the law was never to make us the children of God. That was not the purpose of the law. It's not, it was not its intent when it was delivered by Moses from Mount Sinai. It was not its intent when Jesus came on the scene uh, there in, in his birth and his life and during his ministry. It was never the intent of the law to redeem us. That's not what the law's purpose was. The law had two purposes that the scripture tells us of. The first, to condemn us. The law was given to condemn us. To show us that we are not holy. To show us we are not righteous. To show us we cannot do the things that God requires. That is the first purpose of the law. The second purpose of the law is to show us the one who can. And that is Christ Jesus. That's what he says here in Galatians chapter 3. If you look with me, just maybe even on the same page there, verse number 24, he says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the law is to show us Christ. Show us that He is the one that fulfilled the law for us. He is the one that met the requirements of God's law. He is the one that did what you and I could not do, and He did not do it for Himself, but rather He did it for us. And Him doing it for us provided for us that righteousness that we could not earn ourselves. He earned it in our stead to make us Uh, in the sight of God, justified. To make us, in the sight of God, fulfillers of God's law. That just as Christ Jesus kept the law in our stead, He has given that unto us, that before the throne of God, we have kept the law of God. We don't have the power in ourselves to do that. And so it is because of what He has done for us that we love Him because He first loved us. We desire to obey Him because He has obeyed in our stead and given to us His righteousness. And then we also desire to be in His presence as His children. And so He has redeemed them that were under the law... That we might receive the adoption of sons, Paul says. And so we look at this first idea here desiring to be in the Father's presence. A child who loves the Father loves to be near him. And the, que- the question comes are we the children of God? That's usually, a, obedience is a big one, and we see that. Uh, But there are a lot of people that will strive to obey God outwardly just as those that would keep the law because they think that's somehow going to get them in good stead with God. Uh, They they still have the mindset that if I do the law, if I do what God says, that I'm going to earn my salvation. A lot of people have that mindset that they're going to strive to be as good as they can and to do good and then maybe God will give them salvation. So there's, there's a lot of folks that don't have salvation. A lot of folks that don't have uh, uh, the new birth, don't have the adoption, that may still be trying to be obedient. Now, just heads up, that list is getting smaller and smaller as time goes on. That's not so much a a a problem in our society today as it may have been fifty years ago or as it may have been a thousand years ago. There were a lot more folks focused on in times past, a lot more focused on the reality of who God was. They at least had a respect for God and so they would try, they would give a respect to his word and attempt to be obedient to the things that they knew that he said in his word. Uh, that's that that Group is growing smaller and smaller today. But even, even in the times when people strive their hardest to do what God says to do, to be faithful to it in order to get something from Him, that did not benefit them. We cannot, we cannot keep the law of God. We cannot do what He tells us to do. As his children, however, we desire to do that. Realizing that Christ Jesus is the one who's done it for us. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it in for his glory. You see. We're not doing it to gain special privileges in heaven. We're doing it for his glory. Because he deserves our obedience. So, this next one is the one that's probably more... Um, more identifying is for the child of God, for one who has received the adoption, they want to be in the Father's presence. And there are those that are doing the, the desiring to be obedient that have no desire to be in the Father's presence. For the child of God, they want to be in the Father's presence. They want His presence with them. They desire Him with them. They desire His presence. They desire His strength. They desire His help. They desire His watch care. They desire the presence of God with them as the children of God. We love, as the children of God, we love His presence. We love His presence in our worship. We love His presence in our time of prayer. We love His presence in our preaching. When we are listening to the Word of God, we desire to see the Spirit of God move in our hearts and in our midst. We desire to have His presence with us. was one of the things that uh, is mentioned of Cain after his sin when he killed his brother. And of course, that mark was put upon him by God. The Bible says, and it's first mention of this being away from God there in Genesis 4, that Cain went out from the presence of God. He went out from the presence of God. For the child of God, they desire the presence. They want to be in the presence of God. And so this, this, this reality for those who've experienced the adoption, those who've experienced God's grace, we desire His presence. We desire to have the presence of the God with a presence of God with us. Now, the question comes, do you love to be where God's presence is? Do you desire to be where God's presence is? Uh, In uh, Psalm 63. I believe we've got the right verse here. Psalm 63. Verse 1 and 2. Yeah. Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. David says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee my soul thirsteth for thee my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary we as the children of God desire desire the presence of God. If you don't desire his presence, then you need to check yourself. Am I truly a child of God? Because for the child of God, we desire the presence of God. We desire to see Him in our midst. A third sign of the adoption is to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans chapter number 8, we see this promise given us concerning the Spirit of God in us. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's not enough for a child of God to have life. He must be led every step. He must be led every step by our Lord. We need his direction. We need his guidance for everything, every single day. We need that leadership of the Spirit of God. Now, so often we don't recognize it. So often we we don't give it much attention. Uh, so often we strive to go on in our own power and do our own thing and and can, and to carry on and conduct ourselves with. Well, I just know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I just know that's how I'm supposed to go. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And so often that's how we approach life, just going under our own steam, trying to do it the way we think we ought to do it, and, and, and go on without ever taking the time to check with the Lord, to stop and say, Lord, I, I need your direction today. I need your guidance today. Uh, this is my normal day. Uh, I'm, I, this is what I do every day. I'm, I'm doing my job today. I'm working today. I'm doing this today. I'm going here. I'm going there. These are. This is my routine. This is what I do every day. Lord, I need you today more than I needed you yesterday. We, we need to be aware. We need to check every single day Am I following the direction of the Lord? Am I, am I following? Is the Spirit of God directing me? Or am I trying to go under my own power? Am I trying to do it myself? Go under my own steam? And so we we as the children of God have been given by God the Spirit to lead us. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So not only must one be born of God, but we must be led by His Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit of God. Now, um, we see that example uh, throughout the Old Testament, especially when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They had the uh, pillar of cloud by day. They had the pillar of fire by night. Uh, there was clear direction right there before them as God would lead them here and there. And that was Him leading the Mass. He was the, the whole group of the Israelites following the Lord. They saw that His leadership was clear. That they knew based upon where the cloud or where the pillar of fire is taking them, that that was where God was having them to go. Now, even with that leadership, what would they do? They would still complain. They would still murmur. They would still accuse. They would still say, Moses don't know what he's doing. They would still say, obviously, you don't know where we're going or what's going on because we're following you and this... We don't need to be here. This is, uh, if we were back in Egypt, we wouldn't be hungry. We wouldn't be thirsty. Uh, life would be going alright for us. Yeah, we'd be still making bricks without straw, but everything would be okay. We would be home anyway. But now here we're following you because you're following this cloud. And now we don't even know if this cloud is taking us where we want to go or need to go. And so they, they were even doubting the, the direction of God seeing it right before them. We have something better, something far better than the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I mean, they could see it with their eyes. It was out there in front of them. But even with them seeing it with their eyes, even when it was out there directly in front of them, even when they could see the very direction, they still didn't believe it. We have something far better because God in His grace has put His Spirit in us. He's, he's present in us. He resides in us. And He gives us this leadership every day. He's not just, he's not just the cloud out in front of us controlling the, the mass of humanity. He's in us as individuals and He leads and guides us as His individuals. Now, He never leads outside of His Word. Never leads outside. of There's a whole lot of people today that have no idea what this says, but they think God's leading them in directions that go absolutely against what this says. He will never lead outside of His Word. If you've got a Spirit that's leading you, I'm not saying you don't have a Spirit, but if you've got a Spirit leading you outside of this, it's not the Spirit of God. He always leads according to His Word. That's how we know we can trust it when we have that leadership, is that it will always be according to the Word of God. In fact, as He leads us, He uses the Word to speak to us. He uses His Word to direct us. He uses His Word to show us what He would have us do. And so we have that Spirit of God leading and directing us. And we as the children of God, having this great gift by God to us, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. We need to be aware of His presence and desire that we would have that presence to follow after Him, that we would seek His will to do what He has given for us to do. We are, even as the children of God, we are apt to sin because we are, every last one of us, sinners. And because we have that real nature in us to sin, we have to have the Spirit of God leading and guiding us. And we have to be yielding to His leadership, dying to self, and living unto God. His Word is truth, and He will always lead us again by His Word. And He, uh, in fact, Jesus says there in John 16, if you'll go over and look with me, He's giving this promise of the leadership of the Spirit here to His disciples. He says in John 16 and verse number uh, 13, John 16, verse number 13. He says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. And so he tells us here, he's, he's sending the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is going to lead us, and guide us. And he's going to do so into all truth. It will be in the truth that he will guide and lead his truth is His Word. And so He's going to lead by His Word. That's how He's going to lead us. And so we can trust Him by the Word. We can see that. We know that this is the leadership of God. The Word and the Spirit's leading will always agree. Every single time. It will always agree And so this is one of those proofs, one of those signs of the adoption of the child of God. We have the guidance of the Spirit of God. A fourth sign is a love for God's people, a love for our brothers and sisters. Uh, This is one of the proofs that we indeed have the adoption of children, that we are that we have and have been made the children of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 17, 1 Peter 2, verse 17, Peter says here, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the king. Honor all men. Love. Love the brotherhood. Jesus said in John chapter number 13, verse 34 and verse 35. John 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, even as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love, one, four. We're to love each other. As the children of God, we're to love each other. That, that's one of the proofs that we belong to Him is that we love our brethren, our fellow Christians. We love them. We have a love for them. It's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing how the Spirit of God works in this. All of you, I know, come across a a brother or a sister in a far-off, distant place, total stranger to you, and you begin to talk about the things of the Lord. Maybe you witness to them. Maybe they witness to you. And you begin to talk about the things of the Lord and talk about what the Lord has done for you and there is a a fellowship that happens there. It's a remarkable thing. That that fellowship in just that, that talking and the joy that wells up in our hearts as we're talking back and forth. We experience that love there in that common relationship with our Father that we have as we're communicating with them in that moment. That's a wondrous thing. It's a wondrous thing to to enjoy, to have, uh, to come up to even a stranger and feel that bond there as we're talking to them about the things of God. This is part of what this is talking about here. Paul's talking about that love that we are to have one for another how remarkable it is, that, that, that love that God works in us. And so we as the children of God are to have that affection for each other. In fact, he, Paul speaks to us concerning our relationship as a church body. He says in, in that, he says that we are to prefer one another. To prefer one another. There's a lot of people who have trouble with that. Preferring their church over their family. Preferring their church over their work. Preferring their church over their friends. We, we're to prefer one another as a church body over everybody else. We're to prefer one another. Prefer one another. And so this this is a part of what, what the Lord is directs us here in, in John 13, what Paul speaks to in regards to the love that we're to have, what Peter speaks to there in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. There, there is a love that is found in the children of God. Not only is it the command of Christ Jesus for us, his commandment of love, but it's it's what he works in us. That we feel and are to have one for another as we as we enjoy, as we come together, as as we see each other each and every time that we come in, that there is a love, there is a love between us that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That He is worked because of His grace in us. It is the beautiful face of holiness that is given us as the children of God in Christ, that we we have that love one for another. The love is enriched between us because we are all coming from the same place. We may have had different experiences. We we may have been in darker places than others have been, but we're we're all coming to the same place as sinners, saved by God's glorious grace. And we all coming from from wherever we come from, we are all come, we're broken, we're scarred, every single one of us, and we're, we're coming from that same place, coming together in relation to our Lord, understanding and recognizing that it is all of Him, that it is all of Him that I have his grace, that I have his salvation, that I have his love. And we're all in that same scenario. We're all in that same boat. What we have to be careful of is not to judge one another based upon where we've come from. We see an example of that in the in the uh, prodigal son. As he comes back, and the prodigal son is not so much about the son who left as it is about the son who stayed because that's that's really what Jesus was addressing there is that obedient son that stayed with his father uh, that did not desire his His inheritance that was right there all along, continuing on, doing what a son was supposed to do. The prodigal comes back. Um, The father uh, comes to him there, restores him to his position as son, puts on him his, his ring, signet ring, puts a robe on him, cooks a fatted calf, has part that his son has got this. My son was lost, and now he's found, and he restores him. That young man was in an awful place. He was in a sinful, wicked spot. He got off from his lord and and was in a dark place. And he's brought back and restored in the presence of his father. And there's joy. There's joy with the father. There's joy. With the son being restored, there's joy in the household that his son, who was lost, is now found and he's brought back. There's joy among them all, except except for the older brother, the faithful son, the one who was always there. He didn't have no joy. He had anger, and he was angry at his father's reaction. To his brother. And he was angry at his brother. For what he had done. And that was all he could see. He didn't see himself. As one just like his brother. He didn't see himself as a sinner. He didn't see himself that was in need of the Father's grace. He didn't see himself in all of that. All he saw was the sins of his little brother and what he did. To, I can't believe you allowed him to come back home. I can't believe you killed in the fatted cat. I can't believe you've done all of this for him and had such a joy at his return. When I've been here all along, and you've not paid me no mind at all. He was angry and he was jealous. At the grace his brother experienced. One of the things we have to be mindful of, we're all coming from the same place. Every last one of us. Our levels of the place we come from may be different. We may experience different things. He said there may have been more sin. There may have been more wickedness. There may have been more darkness in our lives. But we've all still come from the place of wicked sinners in need of God's grace. Every last one of us. And we cannot, we cannot forget that reality of who we are in Christ. We are all Every last one of us deserving of His wrath. Not a little bit more or a little bit less. We're all deserving of His wrath. And all of us, by His grace, have experienced His grace. And so we're all coming at it from the same place. (laughs) And it is because of those same scars, it is because of those same realities of who we are, it is because of our own sin that we can have a love one for another having understood that wondrous grace that we have in common in our Lord. We're to have a love And that love is worked in us by the glorious grace of our God. That love one for another. God's children have great privileges. We have great freedom, great privileges because of what our Lord has done for us. He has promised, as we looked at this this morning, He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. In fact, everything or anything that comes in our lives that would threaten us or come against us, there is nothing that can remove us from the presence of our Lord. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing... That we face nothing that comes against us that can remove us from his love. As his children, we are eternally his children. We belong to him, and there is nothing that can remove us from that position. Romans chapter 8, Paul says here, beginning in verse number 30. Well, let, let's go back at verse 28. We'll just read down 30. Verse 30 or 28 down through verse number 39 when he says here, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can remove us from our Lord. There is nothing that can take from us what God in his marvelous grace has given unto us. We are made his children. We are adopted as his heirs. And there is nothing that can remove that from us. Nothing. No matter what comes against us, no matter what tries, what affliction tries to take us away, there is nothing that can remove us from His presence. So, as the children of God, we should honor, we should glorify, we should praise. We should be a thankful people that our God has given us such grace, such a place that we enjoy in him. That there is nothing, nothing that can remove us from that position that we have in Christ Jesus being made the children of the Most High God. Heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, there is nothing that can remove us from that. He keeps us, and he keeps us eternally as his own. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.